Hello and welcome to Turning Point Tactics, the competitive Kill Team 40k podcast, focused on giving you the strategies and tactics to seize initiative every turning point. I'm your host Ryan and I'm joined by the Sylvester Salone to my car urban, Connor. How are you doing team, Connor? Can I just confirm, is that an RBT's Judge Dredd reference going on? It is, yeah. it is the RBT's <laughs> Judge Dredd reference and I'm I'm sticking down that I think Carl Urban was the, uh, the better performance in the more recent Dread Act, but that Agreed. might be controversial. No, no, I agree, I think, yeah. Well, it's good to see you back in Blighty, if I'm honest, because you've been off sunning yourself on a jolly over in the States enjoying the LVO. Did you want to talk to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was a work trip, so I didn't actually get to um, sure participate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There was some work, uh, some drinking. <laughs> Obviously, it was Las Vegas, City of Sin, whatever. So. But it was it was good, yeah. So I managed to pop into LVO on the, the Sunday and see the, the final few rounds, which was really quite cool and quite interesting and met some of the, the the US players out there. So it was it was good to get out there, see what the tournament's like and, and hopefully, fingers crossed, next year I might let's get across and uh and play myself rather than just go and spectate. But it was definitely cool. And um they have a very different uh, style of maps than what we have over here in the UK. So all the terrain rather than being like uh, games workshop terrain is uh, made and produced by Luster's workshop, which is a uh, by run by a guy called Dakota. And he's basically made this bespoke terrain specifically for the kill team scene. And I think the year before they got quite a lot of criticism for their terrain, but this year it seems to be uh, much more improved. Um, so that's the main thing, I guess, is that they've they, they've got a set, it's working, and they've got a whole bunch of maps and all that sort of stuff that are going with it. So a really interesting scene, and and a lot of data come out comes out of it. So that that's pretty cool to see. Is the terrain similar to like Morocco and Chalnath that we've seen? in UK tournaments or is it completely different, completely new? So I would say it really depended on, on or depends on the match, on the map, like the, the map itself. So a lot of the terrain, I think, has like a set layout and the objectives moved underneath or deployments moved. So I noticed on, on some of them, it was quite favourable for shooting teams with quite open sort of deployment zones and angles and that sort of stuff. So you could, if you're a shooting team, you could potentially punish your opponent really quite early on. Mm. And then on other other ones, they'll be really like dense and, and, and heavy terrain. So it'd be really favorable for melee teams so it was hard to get a a without playing it myself on a lot of the maps it was hard to get a, a good judgment on it necessarily but i know they use a lot of visibility blocking as well so it, it was definitely interesting it's it's very different to what we we play over here in the uk with our, obviously our, our sort of standard terrain but it was definitely different and it favored a whole bunch of different archetypes based on which which map and mission you're on so i don't think there was a team that was particularly um, dominating as a result of it or anything like that um, but it was it's definitely different to what we've, what we've seen but that, that was pretty cool there's actually one thing I, w- I would sort of pull out from from the LVO I, I know a lot of people probably have seen the top eight and um, there's not really too many surprises there in the teams that you see too represented or the players either actually so Gellipox coming out on top is I, I wouldn't say uh, surprising as the the, the player uh, running them Orion was is renowned of being potentially one of the best players in the world uh, and having run that team a lot himself before again the, the fact that he's done done well with it is, is is not surprising but there is there is one anomaly that that i think's worth focusing on because i think actually there is some learning there and, and it'd be interesting to see what people, people think about it but the team that i, that I want to talk about is actually i think it was 11th place was a kazakin player wow yeah and so now 11th place kazakin you think to yourself okay well Fine, he, like he managed to get in, in into the the top, whatever it is, like twenty five percent, whatever. But actually, it's it's the fact that the only two losses he had 
was to the number two player running Pathfinders and the number four player running Wormblade. Now, I rate both of those teams much... Uh, personally, I rate them much higher than, than I do Kazakin. Well, we rated them at A tier, I think, and Kazakin at D tier, so yeah. Exactly, right? So, like, and I think Kazakin are, are definitely lacking in, in some areas. So, potentially, there's an element there. I said, like I said, some maps are quite favorable for shooting teams. And so, maybe that was that was part of it. But like, the, the point that I wanted to, wanted to bring out there is, is I think it's really interesting to look at how player skill can affect the placement of a team. Because I didn't rate them very well. Um, but yet, uh, Brett, the guy that was running them, managed to do some, some quite good good success with them. So it was interesting. I, I sort of thought I would ask him a, a bunch of questions and, and see if we can draw out some lessons because maybe, you know, we're just playing Kazakin wrong and, and there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can we can learn from that, see how he was made how he was so successful in so many games, um, going five and two and only losing to those two much, much stronger factions, in my opinion, and uh at the, at the top table. So uh, that, that's kind of what I wanted to to look at because had he won his last game, he would have finished uh, fourth, which I think would have been been quite a big shake up to the meta if if it happened. So well, I think eleventh is a big shake up. Could you imagine fourth? Bloody hell! Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I I asked him, you know, why did he why did he choose to run run Kazakin? And previously he'd been running Warp Coven, which obviously is quite a complex team, and again, I don't think one of the strongest. Um, but he's just sort of said that. They thought they were a fun team to play. I don't think he thought it, it was going to be uh, like a, a, a stomping team or anything like that. But he just thought they had interesting mechanics uh, and that sort of thing, and, and enjoyed their, their elite dice system. So I was trying to figure out, you know, is there something that we as the competitive community think that we missed or something like that? Um, and and sort of his take on it was he thinks that they've got some of the best shooting in the game, and it's the uh, it's the elite dice mechanic that you think is is, is going to do that. So it's, and I've heard this sort of said before. The elite dice, but it can't save a terrible roll. Like you know, if you roll four ones, it's it's not gonna not gonna make make any better. But what it can do is it, is it can make an average roll into a good roll, and a good roll into an excellent roll. Hmm. Um, and so when he was bringing uh, so many sources of, of of high AP, you know, high damage weapons. Being able to turn that from, a, as I said, like a, an average roll to a good roll or a good roll into an excellent roll can then really make um, make a difference. So that was that was an, an interesting take, you know. And I, I guess from that, the the point being is like, let's say you're playing against uh, Space Marines or you know, in session or, or Legionary, being able to force through crit, say, or get extra damage and activate their, their abilities is, is is pretty good. So the in, the question I sort of like, then wanted to go into is like why so why did he lose right so like there was two games which he lost and a bunch of games that he won and I, and I think there's much more to learn from looking at games that people lose rather than games that um, that you win right so the the first game he lost was against Pathfinders and the second game was he Wormblade so in both those instances uh, his team was out activated so again I think there's definitely something to be said about activation advantage. And just it's it inherently a, a very strong thing to be able to make sure that you can go last and be able to have the uh, the ability to determine the, the flow of, of the battle. Um, and I think the other point that he, he sort of touched on was uh, the ability to, pl- to play objectives as well. When when your when your team's so fragile, he, he was losing models too early, 
and therefore potentially wasn't able to, to play the long game. So I guess that's that's kind of the two points. And, and we, I guess, highlight that before with the Kazakin team is you know, you're only 10 models and they're quite fragile. And then quite quickly, you can run out of that steam should you take casualties. So that was interesting to see as well f- from that. And he's he's attributing sorry he's attributing his wins to the elite points. Was he being quite liberal with those at the start? Just uh, turn one, I'm going in heavy with these. I got ten, but I'm going to spend all ten and try and deliver a devastating turn one. Is that what he was doing, or is he how's he using them? Yeah. So interestingly, like I think it's, it's, it's very difficult to say exactly how 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 he was using them. But but one of the main things that he he was doing was taking uh, two troopers and dropping the, the demo vet quite a lot of time. Okay. So, and the reason then is that that gave him two grenade caddies. So his two troopers would be given the frag grenade and the crack grenade, which then meant that he could be using those those elite points much more liberally. Liberally? 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 Because they come, with, they come with a free one, don't they? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so exactly. They, they come with a free one each. So he was able to then like throw a frag grenade and get a free elite point on each of his, uh, each of his attacks, which again, like, it then meant that I'm, I'm sort of like reading into a little bit, but it then meant that he could save those those elite points for the weapons that, as you said, that you really want to make sure that you'd you'd lose. And then the other point that he sort of gave as a, a tactical tip, whatever we'll call it a tactical tip, is like making sure you assign the elite points to the correct target. So so he would be willing to spend quite a lot of elite points, but it had to be on the, on the right thing, right? So let's say he's shooting at a uh, enemy plasma gunner. He's going to invest significantly more elite points than just say a, a regular trooper. So I think that's a an interesting point. There is like his his kind of lesson is don't be afraid to spend those elite points. I think he spent them quite early on, but he was also prioritizing their use really effectively to make sure that it's like okay, I'm going to make sure that I'm spending against you know this particular model in this instance to guarantee that kill and and avoid then taking return damage later on yeah it's the elite points is something i haven't quite got my head around the maths to understand the reliability i can sort of understand like the probability of regular dice but it shakes up a little bit these elite points and i haven't quite understood it and i've written it off and maybe i wrote it off too soon so it'll be interesting to see what brett comes up with in the future as he reflects on these and different ways to play them yeah absolutely and i think Again, it's a little bit there about which options to switch out and, and, and try new things. So obviously, yeah. I think most people would normally just say, take all the specialists. But it's interesting to see that he's gone, you know what, in this instance, in this particular matchup, I'm not going to take that. I'm going I'm to run instead uh, a, an extra uh, grenade guy to give me a bit more flex in that. So the next sort of things that I asked him about was obviously, you know, what's your tack ops and what's your equipment selection? So for tack ops, he was running primarily recon and then, he was saying he was taking a recover item and then either the plant transponder or secure advantage. So plant transponder is an, an interesting one because I I wouldn't have thought that would be particularly good, but clearly he thinks there's some mileage in that. And I assume the ability to shift APL around the team is is pretty useful for it. But and potentially as well, there's an element of the the maps being favourable to do that as well. But but the recon is is really no surprise. He did say that he would flex into seek and destroy as well if it was um, relevant. And, and would take things like assassinate target and eliminate guards. So I think I think that those are probably the, the, the strongest strongest archetypes to go for. And that's kind of what he was doing most of the time. And obviously the Kazakin have a really strong faction tack up, just basically choose an objective and, and go grab it. So I think he was always taking that, which is, which is pretty interesting. And then finally, I sort of said, mentioned, asked about the equipment selection. And I, and I said, he took the frag and the crack grenade, which again makes makes perfect sense um somewhat unsurprisingly he was taking an adrenaline shot on the medic 
uh, and the gunner model that he was going to then pair up with that medic, which is something I touched on in in the uh, previous podcast about you know using that uh, experimental ability to to ignore APL modifiers. That's exactly what this can do. So your medic can be reviving someone and then ignore the the punishment the next turn of of having done so, and the gunner can also ignore the punishment of having just been revived. Um, and then also he would then be using uh, a long-range scope on either the the, the hotshot volley gunner uh, or the the sniper as well, which is which is I guess just min-maxing the the benefits of of, of getting crits with those models, just to make, to make it even even more uh, lethal. So some really interesting lessons that, that have come out of that. Now, obviously, all of that Q and A, I've got it all in like long form with lo- loads more detail. Of that we'll chuck that onto the Patreon for the guys to read through slow time because. We've obviously just, just blitzed through it now, but I just thought it'd be really interesting just to capture like a, a different point of view f- from what most people talk about when it comes to to Kazakhin and think, oh, you know, that they're, they're a trash tier team, whatever. Um, well, actually, maybe not. Uh, uh, you know, someone has taken them pretty far, uh, losing only to, to two of the uh, top players with um, meta factions, I would say. Uh, so, you know, once again, when we talk about tier lists, we talk about just how narrow the gap is between the top and the bottom. It, it really is there. But I think I'd be, I would be really interested to see Brett play like a a meta team, like see him with with either breaches or pathfinders or star striders, something like that, and just see what he could do with them. Because if he's doing that well, in my mind with Kazakin, I think he's got a lot of player potential to to go forth and do and do a whole lot more as well. Um, speaking of seeing Brett play, you, you can see him play, can't you? Because he's not starting up a um a YouTube channel people can get on. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So they they've just they've just begun. Uh, they're called Six Sided Legion. So if you hit up on YouTube, Six Sided Legion, um they're a new channel and they they are starting to put some videos out there about uh sort of their game reviews and highlights and that sort of stuff. So I recommend you, you go over there, give it a watch, give it a like, give it a subscribe. Uh, and maybe you can get those those questions that you have about Kazakin directly to the the guy that was running them on the day, and and he can give you a, a far more detailed answer than than we have here. But um, I'm pretty sure he's he's off to the KTO, um, which is happening in a few weeks in February. Um, so yeah, hopefully he's he's going to take his Kazakin again, and maybe we'll see we'll see another high placement and potentially some more lessons learned out of that as well. So that that could be really interesting. As I said, Six Side Legion is there is there. Uh, YouTube, so go have a look at that and uh, let, let us know what you think. But it's it's awesome to see someone taking a slightly different turn with the uh, the standard standard meta. Yeah, it's cool. So the LVO also isn't just a exciting venue; it also represents the end of the ITC season, doesn't it? Do we know what impact it's had to the scores? Yeah, absolutely. So it it did have uh, quite a bit of bit of a shake up. So uh, obviously the the ITC season is is pretty much run from the end of January until sort of the, the, the beginning of February till the end of January every year. And, and the LVO is the the big final event that uh, sort of ends it and awards are given out and all that sort of stuff. So uh, for people that aren't too aware of what the ITC is, it's just a kind of like a, a, a league, but it's global. And every time you, you win a kill team event, if you're registered on BCP uh, with your name and uh, email address and all that sort of stuff, and you keep it consistent throughout it will it will track your individual results. So then, what it does is it takes during that season, so from February until uh, January, it will take your five best results over the year, um, and it will then collate those as a point score, and you can see where people people place as, as a result. So obviously, more points are awarded for bigger events uh, and more rounds and that sort of stuff. So if you have a big event with lots of rounds um, and lots of players, 
you're obviously going to get more points for placing first than you would placing, say, fifth. So it takes all that. It takes your placement and the event size, factors it in. It gives you gives you a points value. Um, and so that's something that we've been kind of competing towards throughout the year. And it's it was it was kind of successful for us. So um, as a team, Command Point UK, we managed to come come first in the UK. Clearly, we were we were competing mainly with the likes of like the London Wargaming Guild and the old ones and that sort of stuff uh, locally. And then as as individuals, I managed to uh, come top in the UK. So the way it works at each individual community level is it takes points that are only scored within that region, right? So out of all of the UK tournaments, whoever scored the most out of uh, out of them gets the the UK spot. And then globally, um, I managed to come fifth. I actually thought I was gonna drop out of the top five to be honest because lvo is is is, is so massive and that there's people there that were going to win a whole lot of points and i know chris i think chris backy got like sixth in the end so he was just a few points behind me uh overall but i i, th- I thought he would have picked me in, into the top five at least so um but you know that that is a huge achievement for me just to in the sort of the first year of kill team to manage to come out and, and get top five globally, number one in the UK, and and our team to get get number one as well, which is which is pretty cool to be honest. But that was the uh, the old team because we've obviously gone through a rebranding now. We're now going to come back as Turning Point Tactics. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what's interesting for me was like we we, we went through the year and the year, and obviously we were uh, Command Point UK, and we had quite a UK focus. But since starting this this podcast, I, I've realised just we're already having a bit of a global reach and i think it would be uh, really foolish of us to to not not look across to the other communities and think you know what let's let's bring some of that talent on board let's let's try and look at, at how we can spread some of what we're doing but also try and take some of that, that those lessons and, and bring it into what we do so yeah i think the whole command point uk uh isn't really in in theme with that because we're we're not going to be uk focused anymore we're, we're we're sort of we're going global. We're going to lay down the the, the gauntlet, and we're going to try and challenge the Spanish uh, scene and <laughs> see if we can get some higher ITC points and, and maybe uh, challenge for for a top point or at least top five in in the team scores would be would be really cool for for the next year. So um, the new team that we're going with is is Turning Point Tactics, and clearly at the moment it was it was obviously me, you, and Mark were the sort of the core team with guest Papa Slater turning up every now and then <laughs> mythical it doesn't really just the exist. mythical say just 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 coming in and, and taking souls but that was a the, the the original team but that's that's no more we, we have a a much bigger team are coming in to join us as well so um from from Hungary originally but I think it's also currently Switzerland but from Hungary originally we have a with Happy and Klostry which you guys have probably seen on Discord and they are some incredible players that came to the London yeah. Grand Tournament so they for me the, the 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 traits that I think are really important for for players uh, to have is you know, b- being good at the game is is great, but also having great sportsmanship is is really important as well. And I think those two guys have that uh, you know in in, in in droves, which is which is awesome. And then also from the from the Manchester scene, we have both Ben and Dan joining us. So we've gone from quite a small little group into already we've we've gained four new members. Um, and we'll sort of, you know, we'll see how, how we'll, we'll start slow and we'll, we'll grow a bit more, hopefully, as, as the year goes on. But that, that's pretty window exciting. Is still open. <laughs> the transfer window is very much still open. <laughs> um, and, and we'll see, you know, like it's, we, we don't want to try and poach all the talent across the world, but um, 
but we definitely want to try and get a bit of representation in every community because I think that'd be, that'd be really cool for us. But so we have... Ace will review your application. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we obviously, Ben and Dan are from the Manchester scene and they're, you know, A, they're really good players and B, they've they've grown a community from, not not from nothing, but from a very small amount in, into, into a huge thriving community up in the north. Uh, and the only so way you cool. can do that is by being basically great blokes and having um, good sportsmanship and, and understanding the whole the whole fun of the game. And uh, what I did find amusing is listening to one of our podcasts. They they had been naming themselves the um, aggressive northern meta from from my <laughs> from my <laughs> review, which I, which I really like. So that, that's really cool. That's exactly what we want. So we're, we're bringing them on board as well. Um, and I'm I'm really excited. So we're all getting to get, getting together. And we're, we're, well, uh, Tappy can't make it, but. The rest of us are all going to be in Warhammer World this weekend, so that's going to be uh, pretty awesome to be able to like see the whole team together at one point yeah. and, uh, and see where we can go from there. So that's that's exactly what it's what it's about, and I'm I'm really excited to to be going into 2023 with Turning Point Tactics, and, and, and we'll see what we can do. You know, because I think it's it's the the, the game is is growing like massively growing and, and there's there's more exciting news that we've got coming on in a second about uh other stuff that's, that's happening but it's it's an exciting time to be in the game and I, I'm, I'm really really looking forward to what 2023 is going to bring so hopefully we can get some foreign trips in as well yeah so you uh you touched on other exciting news there is that perhaps in reference to soul shackle being announced at the lva yeah absolutely so obviously we got to see the the initial video come out about Arbites and um, the the hand of the Archon, the Drakari. And since then, they've also released uh, a few Warhammer, Warhammer Plus articles and the battle report that's just come out on Warhammer Plus as well. So the, the interesting thing that I think for me is I didn't expect Arbites to be like an 11 model team. Uh, so And it looks like they're going to be 11 models with 11 activations as well. So... Again, immediately when we talk about the successes and, and that sort of thing of Kazakin, the fact that they are 11 models it, is going to make them slightly more durable and that extra activation is going to help make them slightly more um, or able to compete with the Horde teams a little bit better as well. So that's one interesting thing that, that I took from that. And they've also got four four damage shotguns. So mm. that's going to be really strong. And we talk about, we've talked about in one of the previous uh, podcasts uh, four damage being a really nice damage breakpoint for a lot of big weapons, um, so that's that's exciting. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see you know how the teams are balanced out with the other teams that that are, are currently out and and to be released because they they on paper that they're looking quite strong. You know the Jakari are looking similar to to, to Corsairs. They're going to be nine models, but they again have a little ploy that, that they can use just to delay their activation. Uh, by one so potentially on turn one you just spend a cp you put yourself up to effectively a 10 activation team which is going to really help them i think hold uh hold against some of the, the, the bigger teams and, and reduce the punishment from that activation advantage early on which which would be interesting to see have you looked at any of the teams do you have do you have a favorite or anything you're interested in the the interesting thing to me was in my initial assessment is that the Jukari are the vanilla team if i if i said to you before this release Black latex, cod pieces, handcuffs, doggy style. The Drukari <laughs> players would be going mental. And I go, no, that's the art, the art <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is. It is by far the kinkiest box that we've had in a while, isn't it? Like Soul, <laughs> it is. Soul Shackle, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got a lot going on. 
Um, <laughs> I like I like the fact that you can. So one one of the guys has a special ability where he can actually cuff a guy uh, and and stop them from moving. And obviously their team wide ability is that they can then shoot into combat. So you can cuff yeah. a guy, pin him to the ground, and have another guy shoot him in the head with a shotgun. Stop um, resisting. Yeah, so, like that 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 to me uh, screams like uh, Imperium police or you know uh, state defense. It, it screams grim darkness, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it really does. I love it. Yeah. Um, so they got they got a lot of a lot of interesting tools and my my hot take just from the, the battle report you know and I'll, I'll happily wind back on this and, and, and be corrected at a later date but it seems like the arbite uh arbites arbites uh there's there a video yeah. on that wasn't there arbites um the arbites have a, a, a big toolbox and i think that's going to be really strong for being able to get them to do um do the stuff they need to do the Drakari seem a bit more like a, a win more team, so they're going to get power and power from pain if, if they kill models, and that's going to give them the ability to to do additional stuff. So that might be reroll dice or gain an extra APL or, or do a dash after combat, that sort of thing. But that obviously is relying on you getting those kills earlier on. So I'll be I'll be interested to see how it goes, um, but I'm not I'm not too sure. If it will be which team will be better or worse, it's it's hard to, to yeah. tell from, from the the battle report because they're not playing it necessarily like a like you're playing a normal game, right? They're they're playing it as a a showcase of abilities and that sort of stuff. So yeah, the the other thing that I I, I had noticed is that our, that our BTs seem to have not many AP weapons. So unless there's something hidden in there in that team, they might be struggling against uh, against some of the elites now. I'm not really worried about, um, say, intercession because you've got quite a lot of four damage weapons. I was thinking more about like Nurgle Legionary um, because if they've got minus one normal damage to those shotguns, making them damage three, uh, that that could be quite quite punishing. Um, noting that there's probably going to be little damage coming through from from crits. So sniper's probably going to dish out some morsels. Does the sergeant? I think the sergeant has a planter pistol, doesn't he? I'm not sure. I I didn't see one. I think he had a I think he had a shotgun and a, and a, and a baton, okay. and I think he can have uh, just a shield and a baton. So I, I didn't see a plasma pistol. That'd be really cool if he if he did. That might make it a bit more a bit more spicy. But what, what I guess my my worry is. Do they have that counter punch to be able to push back against some of those hardest kill models and, and really punish people from for playing too aggressively against you? And I, I'm not I'm not too sure yet. Maybe they have some more gunner options we haven't seen, but we saw the Weber and we saw the the heavy stubber. Um, there seems to be some sort of auto shotgun on the, on the sprue as well. So um, I'm sure there's something there, but I'm I'm just not quite sure what it is. So yeah, well, can they run? Can they run shields as well? Maybe there's an, a melee opportunity there to run up and get close and just block them out and then pin them so they can't shoot back. I don't, I don't know. We'll see what the rules say, I guess. Yeah, I and it is, it is at the moment, it is a bit of speculation. I guess the other thing that was another key takeaway is that they're going to be seven wounds and, and, and four up saves. So they're not particularly tanky, but, you know, we, we talked about when we were assessing kill teams previously, you know, are they offensive? Are they defensive? Uh, and, and do they play the mission well? So, they're offensive because they have four damage weapons, and they also have access to rerolls with the uh, one of their ploys. So if you get within four inches of someone, you can get some rerolls, and I think that's effective in both melee and shooting. So that that's going to be really good for their overall team reliability. And then defensively, they can reroll some armor saves, but they didn't have what well, didn't show any damage um, negation or anything like that. So I'll be interested to see how that that plays out. 
um, going forwards because that, that might be a, a weakness of the team potentially is, is their fragility but with 11 models well maybe that maybe they'll be all right with with 11 models they'll just have enough tanks to be able to get through and then playing the mission well again it's, it's hard to see uh, exactly what their other faction tack ups are going to be but I think there's there's something there um, they mentioned they had security I'm sure they're going to have something like Seek and Destroy I'll, I'll be amazed that they don't have Seek and Destroy so I think they'll have some interesting tack ops they've got some strong guns and they've they've got an ability to, to to survive, I guess. So, on paper, with all the abilities that they've shown, I think they're going to be an interesting team. I think they can be difficult to play against because they have quite a lot of denial abilities, like being able to stop you from doing your scouting step uh, for a CP. That could be really frustrating versus some teams. Um, so, you know, I think there's going to be something there. We'll have to see what it is when when, when the full team's released. Um, as soon as they do, we'll probably do like a a hot take podcast video on it just so we can um give up give our initial impressions once we get get the full full rules i think they can mitigate the scouting step for once if yeah, i missed that that's cool yeah so they, they just turn it like so whatever you chose they pay a cp and you don't get to do it so the uh people trying to put barricades on on vantage points and all that sort of just stuff thinking that. um you know sort that out. that's that yeah immediately stop that it's against the law um, and then I am, the <laughs> I am the law and you're not allowed to do that anymore. So no more barricades advantages for one CP, which again, you know, that's, that, that's pretty strong. And I think if you can do that, um, in a lot of matchups that, that could be quite decisive, but initiative is still determined obviously by the, uh, the selection. So you can't necessarily just be too, too aggressive with it, but you know, it's a lot of teams that are heavily reliant on say like the, the infiltrate ability. So, um, yeah. I'll be interested to see see what people do with that. So it looks like they're a bit of a control team, probably going to have access to a lot of stun um, and that sort of stuff as well, whereas the Dakari seem a bit more outright aggressive and uh, probably going to match that um, aggressive northern meta play style uh, to, to get in amongst it and get, yes. get, get yeah. rewarded for getting kills uh, early on. You know, we'll see, we'll see. Um, maybe they'll be too fragile as well, but I, I imagine they're going to be, it looked like they were eight wounds and uh, four up save. But the guy, the guy in the bat rep, I, I, by the way, I've never seen so many guys, a guy roll so many sixes. So wow. he has the, the, he gave his team, team, uh, team wide six up feel no pain, right? I have used six up feel no pain, and I think I've never rolled a single six with it ever, right? I, <laughs> it's never happened. Like I played Blooded and I played uh, the Star Riders with the Assassin, like never once got a six on my feel no pain. Um, or if you do, it's when it's irrelevant, right? That guy rolled. Probably like thirty percent sixes. It was gross. I felt so sorry for the Arbetes player, um, but but whatever. He, he, like, felt the, he felt all the pain. Jakari felt no pain. Exactly. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was very Jakari esque. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So th- that's some exciting news that, that's coming up, and uh, we'll we'll keep you updated uh, as and when we get a bit more on it. But obviously, we're going to try and get the pre-orders in on Saturday, so not not long till till that's out. Okay, there's there's one other bit I think it's probably worth touching on, which obviously our, our plans for the weekend. So we're going off to to Warhammer World up in Nottingham, which is 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 pretty cool. As I said, that the the main thing about this one is that we're getting to see pretty much all of the Turning Point Tactics team together, bar mm. bar one, at, for for like the first time in the new year, start of the ITC season, and I think that's that's a really really cool start. But what's your what's your thoughts on what what team are you hoping to take? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run in crew. I don't know if it's an intelligent idea, but um, I love I love the new changes in the data slate, and I want to I want to try them out. Um, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do yet. I've finished gluing and painting just in time, so they they're, they're coming. Uh, now I've got to think of a strategy 
in the next few hours. So <laughs> yeah. we'll think about that. But um, no, it'd be exciting to see what, see what they do. And what's interesting is that we've just found out that we're going on um, the old Tac Ops and on the old rule sets. So I need to bear that in mind too when we come to think about things. Yeah, it's, it, it should be interesting. It's, it's quite a significant change switching to, to old missions and old Tac Ops because I know a lot, a lot of people have been preparing for... Uh, the, new, the new missions and the new tac ops and I'm, I'm pretty sure i said at one of the practice games when i was at my local club in nottingham that gw are usually pretty hard over on, on making you play the new rules so i'm gonna have to eat my hat when i want to tell them that actually they've now <laughs> they've now uh you know gone back on that and and that they're not doing it which i i understand the decision it's because not everyone's been able to get access to uh, all the tack ops, yeah. all the cards, and all that sort of stuff. And they, I mean, they, they, they wanted to try and source them, I think, to have them on the table. That that didn't work for them either. So yeah, exactly. It's a shame. Um, so for whatever reason, it's it's fallen through. And and I do get that you don't want someone to feel uh, excluded because they don't have the right cards or anything like that, and, and that would be really bad. So um, I understand why they, they've done the decision. I think there's potentially some ways that they they could have worked it around. We could could have done maybe new missions with with old tack ops or something like that, but. It is what it is. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but clearly that's that's thrown a bit of a span in the works for for my team selection. So I've been trying to trying to figure out which team to take, and I've, I've sort of narrowed it down between Vet Guard, Breaches, and and Wormblade. Uh, Bloodied are definitely out now because uh, Old Seeking Destroy is is I don't want to say impossible to score, but but really hard. So I sort of got those Harder, those yeah. three teams, and I'm, and I'm leaning more towards the Vet Guard and uh, Breaches side of stuff because. One of the most important things about this tournament, because the other the other big change that came out last, like somewhat last moment, uh, was that it's gone down to three rounds rather than four. Right, so tiebreakers are going to be like the most important thing for your for your route to victory. Uh, so you you have to win all three games to even be within a, a chance of of the top eight. Um, but then everyone in the top eight is going to be on three wins. So the only thing that's going to separate people is going to be tiebreakers, and the primary tiebreaker. Is going to be a tack ops scored, so you need to max tack ops in all three of your games just to have a chance of um, of, of of really getting into that that podium uh, position. So, and then I assume after that it, it's going to be max VP. So, so you're looking really at making sure that you don't drop any points, you don't drop any tack ops, and you win all three games, um, which is going to be going to be pretty tough, I think. You know, for for a lot of teams to make sure you get that that level level of consistency. Um, so it will be it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but I'm I'm a bit concerned that there's you know that there's there's an element of RNG as to who your opponents are and uh, I guess it always is, but and, and which missions you play as to, as to which teams are going to be more or less successful. I think Pathfinders are there if you want them. Oh, <laughs> you know, like I I <laughs> I, I went, I'm considering it because it was the the last time I won at Warhammer World. Well, I was thinking, but the the time I won at one world, it was a a, uh, a three round uh, tournament with uh, Tacops being like the, the the key placer. So, um, and I managed managed to win with them. But I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to be different this year. I'm trying trying to increase my variety. <laughs> I don't want to go back to the the staples. So I'm I think I think I'm going to do better if I if I run with the. Um, Run with it, one of the other teams. I'm probably going to regret that, uh, but we'll see how it we'll goes. We'll learn from it, though. Won't we? We'll learn from it, and that's the main thing, you know. Like, I'm, I'm sort of accepting that this might not be the one that, that I'm, I'm going to win. Uh, you know, that's that's fine, but I'm hoping that we can, by taking a new team, I, I can learn learn a whole bunch of lessons, 
and uh, hopefully share that with the community as I said and, and we'll see what we get out of it and if i do win then you know what hooray all the better you know but um clearly that's that's not the focus of of this event because it's it's going to be slightly skewed about what the, the the lessons are about the current meta because clearly we're talking about what what the current teams do with the old missions and the old maps which isn't quite what people are going to be seeing on their tables in future uh i don't think so yeah but it's it's exciting times and obviously just going to warhammer world is 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 a pretty epic experience right like it's a fantastic place to play uh the staff are, are super friendly and engaging um and you get to see all your mates in, in one place so you can't ask, ask too much more than that. And hopefully we'll get some good catch-up and maybe a few drinks afterwards at some point uh, with some of the guys. But be a good weekend, won't it? Um, and, and if you are there and, you know, you're, you're hearing this and, and you want to come say hello, then then please, please do. You know, we we are we are just as friendly in, in real life as we are on here, I, I promise. Maybe not Connor. Well, it depends if he's eating or not. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, cool. I, I think that's pretty much everything I had for this episode because obviously... Still a bit jet lagged, just come back from from the US, and I'm still on massive admin catch up. But was there anything else that you wanted to um to, to throw in there, Connor? Or anything you want to want to cover off? No, I think we covered it. Thank you. Sweet. As I said, that that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. But hopefully, you did find something new or useful while listening, uh, particularly in that that Kazakin seg- segment, listening to a bit about what um what Brett had had to say. And as I said, if you want to hear about a bit more about that, that is going to be available in much more detail on on the Patreon for for all of the guys that are supporting us over there. Um. If you want to make sure that you uh, get, get our content on time and all that sort of stuff, then please make sure you hit that subscribe button and get notifications. It massively helps a small channel like us uh, just by hitting subscribe uh, to get us a bit more uh, highly ranked on, on YouTube. As I said, if you can't wait and you want early access, we do have a Patreon where you can get exclusive access to all this content ahead of time. And as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. So drop us a comment below and we'll get right to you. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Ryan. This has been Turning Point Tactics, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.